without Juan Lopez to sing the theme song. This is the Fanboy Planet podcast. Fanboy. Yeah, oh, so that I'm a fanboy. <laughs> I, I, I do know it. <laughs> this is our, uh, I guess, annual uh, podcast with Car D'Angelo, owner of Earth 2, or co-owner of Earth 2 Comics, Eisner Award-winning retailer, and a uh, good friend of the show. So, two locations. Two locations. Now, now Sherman Oaks and Northridge, California, in the San Fernando Valley. Twice as much Earth 2, which <laughs> should be like Earth 4, isn't it? Is it? You know, we uh, that's the Charlton Heroes, which is now like the Dark Watchmen version of the Charlton Heroes, Earth 4. Yeah, you know, one of those things, you see, you, you, you know... You name your store Earth 2, and then you come up with a second store, and all you think is you can't call it Earth 2. you got to call it Earth 2-2. Earth 2-2 two two. Earth two two or 3-Earth. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't, make, doesn't, have, doesn't seem to make as much sense as it did seven years ago. Well, you know, the, the, why don't we start with that? Because you know, Carr's made a lot of notes and said he knows what questions. I've been very predictable in my questions. But... <laughs> Our topics. We go over this stuff. I know. I'm just. Uh, but yeah, you know, in a year where I think uh, in our area we've lost a lot of stores, you've expanded out. So, what's your secret, Car? <laughs> what is the secret? Um, willpower. Hint, hint. No. Um, we had an interesting situation. We have wanted to expand. I mean, we always. Um, my partner, Judd Myers, and I, we always wanted to have more than one store. We kind of made this one work, and then we're ready to, to make the leap. Uh, and I, I think it was we were in a situation where, because of the economy and different things, starting from scratch again, trying to build, go, go to a underserved area, rebuild. We were looking at all those options, but in this economy, that would have been harder than it was six years ago. But, um, but two things happened. One... Jeff Johns had come to us and said he wanted to be part, you know, if we wanted to expand, he wanted to be part of it. Um, and, you know, being, you know, being in a business partnership with, you know, Jeff Johns, possibly, arguably, uh, probably, clearly the hottest comic book writer in mainstream comics right now. I mean, all anyone talked about at the con was Blackest Night. Uh, how can you say no to that? And he's such a great guy and such a sweetheart. And the second situation was that, you know, Golden Apple Comics, that has had a two stores in Los Angeles for a long time, um, was no longer interested in maintaining their Northridge store. One of the things that kept us out, you know, we're, we're, we're friendly competitors. You know, they're, they're, you know, the Leibowitz family, you know, is, you know, uh, again, arguably the first family of comic book retailing. Um, and, uh, you know, it would never have made sense you know, we'd have conversations, and they'd say, "Are you guys going to expand?" And we'd say, "Well, don't worry. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to do it near you. You know, we're we might be, you know, we might go here or there, somewhere else. But you know, we never wanted to be the store that set up shop across the street from somebody, and we never saw the value in that. And the, uh, but their circumstances changed where they have this huge store in Hollywood on Melrose, and the. Northridge store was splitting their focus as a family because the husband and wife couldn't work at the same shop because they had to manage two different shops. And, uh, you know, the shop in Northridge is a successful shop. It just was a lifestyle choice of them wanting to work more closely as a family Mm -hmm. um, and them not wanting to just shut the doors. Uh, So we just, you know, it it came to a situation where it made sense instead of doing a shutting the door situation for them and then us opening a new store that they said, hey, do you want to just transition and take over the store? And that way, you know, because they, they, 
what they kept saying to us is they felt very comfortable that, they, that we would take care of their customers because they have a history in that location for, you know, more than 20 years. And uh, they didn't really want to just, you know, you know, hey, you're buying Spider-Man every week, but we're going now, <laughs> you know, and you're going to have to find someplace else. So, uh, you know, uh, so that, that, was, that was the opportunity, and it's, 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 it's really been great because, you know, re-meeting a whole, you know, walking in where you're the new guy, you know, when, when, when we opened this store, the, 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 the customers were sort of new in the sense of we were here and each week you'd see new faces and new people, and they knew we were, you know, new as well. But here it's like these people come there every week. We're we're sort of joining their party, you know, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's and it's kind of fun because now you know we're uh, you know we're 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 you know and you hear what they're excited about and what books they're reading and really trying to uh, you know to again continue to serve serve those customers who you know um, like I say we hope we are you know we, you know the last thing we wanted to do was you know, disappoint anybody. Mm-hmm. Has there been any kind of impact that once well, you've got? the hottest writer in mainstream comics as your partner has that had, what kind of effect has that had on the business well you know we had a grand in June we had a big grand opening celebration and I think that was one of the, the you know in the immediate um, you know you saw the impact because you know I mean you know Jeff picks up the phone to his buddies and nobody says no so you know mm-hmm. James Robinson flew in and Jeff Loeb and we had these guys bagging and boarding comics and running the register and you know signing as well you know uh, you know and just people coming out to support uh, Jeff and, and, and say hi and and then the fans would be twittering and they'd hear what Brian K. Vaughn you know stopped in to, to buy some comics I'm getting over there and you know and, and, and Brian's a bit like uh, you know these days probably more like the um, you know, sort of the Phantom Stranger, you know, you're, you're always going to get there, you know, 20 minutes after <laughs> after he was there, and there was one guy who walked in, you know, with like all these Y's and uh, Pride of Baghdad, and I'm like, and we didn't advertise, we, we, you know, he was asked to come, but he wasn't a, you know, an advertised guest, he just wanted mm-hmm. to come and say hi, and, um, and, uh, you know, and this guy came in, and we're like, well, we didn't advertise Brian King Vaughn, because, yeah, but I saw it on Twitter. You know, because somebody so that 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 immediacy, I think the idea of the news getting out there that 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 Jeff, you know, uh, is a partner in a comic book shop, it means something. It feels cool. But we've always kind of had that atmosphere to some extent here, being in LA. I think all the shops in LA, we all have our different quote unquote, you know, celebrity, uh, you know, celebrity mm-hmm. professional regulars because it's about your, you know, you shop at your neighborhood comic shop, and LA is a place that's filled with whether it's movie people or uh, or comic book writers and artists who mm-hmm. who set up camp here. So you know, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to you know you know you know name names because you know the, the, those who know know. But everybody, you know, that that's sort of the, the 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 fun of it. We have it more in an official capacity, and and again. You know, there's no scheduled time except the for announcing something that Jeff's going to be there. But you know, people walk in and wow, you've got a lot of signed Flash Rebirths. Oh yeah, sure. Come on. <laughs> you know, gee, how do we get those? Uh, you know, okay. But we uh, we always we, we twist Jeff's arm and you know stick a st- stick a silver sharpie in his hand and say you know you know please just 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 a few. It'll make people. And, he, and he still shops here. And, and he of course yeah. <laughs> I mean he, he, uh, he I mean the great thing about Jeff. The thought you were on was the great thing about Jeff. The great thing about Jeff is you, because you were asking, you know, you know, you know does, he, does he still shop there? And, and the great thing about him and and, uh, and Sterling Gates, who, who who works with Jeff as well, 
is, I mean, the enthusiasm is still there. So every you know, every week, it's these are the new comics and what's coming out, and 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 I, again, I think that's part of what's in his uh, you know in his work as well is that that excitement continues to find some you know. DC and Marvel Comics, you're dealing with these these sort of you know, these bricks and these icons that have been around for you know 40 to 70 years in some cases. How do you keep getting you know excited about these same concepts? You really have to I think dig deep, and you know he does that and can and responds to it when you know when other people do it in their comics as well. That's the cool thing. Looking for the passion. So uh, we we usually do this because it's post Comic Con, and yeah. uh, you were there for a little while. I don't. I, I was there from Wednesday. Uh, no, I, I got there late. I was there. I got there Thursday morning and left Sunday morning. So I was there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It was on the sh- sh- I was say shop floor, on the uh, con floor, very little. So I didn't see as much of. There was no Al ship this year yeah, to draw me down. Yeah. But it, it was, you know, what I and I was doing a lot of programming and meetings with Comics Pro, the comics professional retail organization, mm-hmm. um, where we were talking with publishers and uh, and presenting some retailer programming, which, uh, you know, sort of doing a retailer track, um, you know, this year. So that was mostly, you know, Friday. And, um, you know, so, so it, wasn't, it wasn't as in- intensive where I got to really, like, walk around and, and, and look at everything as, as, as much this year. But it was, it was, it was, a, but it was a fun show. Because to me, it's really, now more, it's about the people. It's about who you see, who you mm-hmm. see at the bar, who you have dinner with, who you hang out with. And, uh, and, and, and on that level, it was, it was tremendous fun. Yeah, now you say you started a, a comics retailer track, and one of the things that, again, every year it gets bigger and bigger, it seems, seems like we are several, it's like, this is not one big con, this is several concurrent little cons, all coexisting in the same space. Right, Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, and then IGN, no, not IGN, um, ICV2 this year did with Jeff Loeb their... Um, Something Wednesday afternoon. They did a Wednesday that. media... Uh, uh, presentation, sort of comics to movies, or movies to comics, or you know, one of those one way or the other things. That was kind of um, uh, again, which I had hoped at one point to be able to get down there for, but it wound up being uh, that wound up not not being in the plans. But I, but it is a lot of different conventions. I was saying about Saturday is the convention to me reminded me of the the Poseidon and the Poseidon adventure in that it was you know when you walk through the the media stuff. It was shoulder to shoulder, and you couldn't get past, and everybody's walking through all these, um, you know, these pavilions of Doctor Who and Chuck and Attack of the Show and all these people that are there, and people taking pictures. You know, that's all it was. I'm just going to stop and take pictures of everything. And on the other hand, the, the dealer's room side, whatever you want to call it, on Saturday, though, it was like, I can stretch my arms and legs out, and there, there's, a, there's a lot of walking room. And I was... People I talked to said, you know, business was good. It wasn't as, uh, you know, but uh, it, it, you know, you know, no one was going. Oh, I'm rolling in dough. It seemed, but you know, but, but nobody seemed to be complaining as much. Maybe there's some complaints um, now. Um, but the, uh, but but yeah, I mean, so you, the, the whole dealers aspect versus the the um, the. Expo, show business expo aspect is a, is, is a big deal, and 
and the panels that suck so many people off the floor. And I'm not saying that it has to be about selling. We don't exhibit there. We don't sell, go there to sell comics or sell books. But it's one of those things where when you used to think of a convention, the first conventions you went to were the ones where you went and you got on your, you know, on the floor and went through the quarter boxes. And, you know, I think there's a part of a lot of collectors uh, who think of that as a convention. And now it's this completely other thing where the all the collectible stuff, buying it, you know, except for the con exclusives, which are the things also, the feeding frenzy on, you know, that sucks up all the all the money, but you don't see people, you know, just buying... You remind me that I have to write a nasty letter to Mattel. <laughs> <laughs> what was Mattel, was that for the Gleek? Or uh, they the sold out of Gleeks by Friday morning, and um, and they wouldn't let press buy on Wednesday night, so, uh, wow, yeah, uh, and so I'm going to say, that's the follow-up to the weeks of podcast where I've been saying, all I want is the one twins and Gleek. Right. And, and I heard a story about someone who, who who walked away who bought a who who was sold a box of Gleeks who was sold a box of Gleeks yeah so you know it's a, a lot of these things car has added to my bitterness <laughs> <laughs> but you got to get the new box of Gleeks album because they're really oh, well, sure I mean, I got the box of Gleeks suddenly sounded like an alternative band that's a good band name yeah. and, and you heard it here first but uh the, the, but the, for me, the highlight uh, of the convention, sort of continuing the Washington theme from last year, was um, was that I was able to uh, spend some, and, and as were you. I know you did a great little interview with Dave Gibbons, but I had an opportunity to really spend some time with Dave Gibbons and was happy to, you know, discover. Um, I did a series of columns on on comic book resources mm-hmm. leading up to the release of the movie, where Adam Freeman and I once a week. We, what was the name of the column? Cause it, uh, rereading Watchmen. Right. And I, and I, as I say, just to any listeners, find it. It's a really good chapter-by-chapter uh, annotation, really, of, uh, of Watchmen and new reactions. It, it, it was fun to do. We brought in special guests. And, 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 it, and, it was, and you know, and Adam had actually suggested continuing it. And I kind of said, I just can't think of, a, of, of another book that I have that much to say about, or that you could really do it issue by issue. And I think if we ever continued it, you'd have to take even something that I really love, like Sandman, you would be still doing it probably each trade. or each, you know, mm-hmm. Because there are very few works that really hold up to that kind of you know you know panel by panel scrutiny because it was designed that way and it was uh, and it was really flattering to discover uh, from you know talking to Dave Gibbons is that he 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 had read the columns he um, you know and as he put it part of being a, a freelance professional uh, these days is you know you wake up in the morning you pour yourself a cup of coffee and then you spend the next three hours googling yourself so. I know you didn't try to do your British impression. <laughs> no, no, no. Because the, the, the horrible thing, is, as, as Derek has discovered, is that anytime I start doing a British accent, it descends into a horrible Australian accent. So uh, I, I don't want to offend anybody out there uh, with my British accent that always turns into an Australian accent. Actually, they haven't even started Australia. <laughs> You know what? It, it's hard. It's, it's uh, you know we all have a little Hugh Jackman in us. I think is. Oh, <laughs> I know many people that wish that were true. It's so, about li- it's free comic book day, and who doesn't like free stuff? And who doesn't like comic books? And oh, it's about literacy for the kids. Yeah, that's it. There we go. That was my free comic book day Hugh Jackman promo. That, that that's great. So, <laughs> but but 
Yeah, but I think you used a key word there. For some, it's Google? not a convention anymore. No. <laughs> Sorry. Google this podcast. No. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's an expo. Yeah. become an expo where it used to be a convention. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's definitely. And then today, uh, you and I were at lunch talking about uh, Mile High Comics. Uh, Chuck, uh, you remind me his last name. Rosansky? The letter of that saying that at the same time, where you've got these huge, huge booths and the little guys, both retailers, and I'd say probably little um, uh, little publishers as well, are you know being charged the same you know commensurate that's, rates. I haven't read the letter, but that that's how it was. So I want, I want to be clear because I don't want to start any. Uh, okay, well let's just put it this way: there's an internet rumor that is that is attributed to, perhaps erroneously, that this guy. Apparently, there is a letter Chuck Rosansky wrote. I haven't read the letter, but the point that someone pointed out to me, which is a legitimate point, is the dealers are still paying the same amount, even though the number of people attending. Are, are that the, the attendance is right. um, if, if is being drawn away from the dealers and the convention is being designed that way. Well, right, and, and as you know, THQ has a footprint the same size as, uh, well, actually, less than Mile High, but more people are paying attention. You know, for example, let's say that it's not to pick on Mile High, uh, you know, put them on the spot here, but you know that uh, THQ is able to afford. A higher price because they are there's it's a bigger corporate. I have no idea who THQ is. Uh, video game company. Oh sure, sure. And they're the ones doing the Marvel well, Superhero Squad and Dark Dark. And Sockers. they're they're not looking. They don't have to justify their their cost is promotional cost. Right. So on their line item budget, maybe they are selling an exclusive or whatever, but they're really not there to to make a profit in the same way. You know. Right. It's a, a different a, kind of company, a, a, and, and, and probably a wealthier company yeah. is what I'm saying. So it does uh, seem a little wrong. Because I would agree with you that certainly it was a lot easier. Even I tried to wander around at least an hour each day at the yeah. con and on the floor, and, and again, you know, finally by Sunday, I just had to make a list of who haven't I seen and, right. and look them up in the book. Because just trying to randomly encounter a booth, right. it wasn't going to happen. No, no, you were not going to just happen upon something. Um, but it did feel like it was it was much easier to walk around in the retail areas than you know. Again, you're right. I, the Poseidon's a very good analogy for it. Well, and I think that also raises the question of it, it demonstrates why people are going. It also demonstrates the question of capacity. There are a lot of changes that they've made in the sale of tickets that, to some people, I'm sure it felt odd that hey. Well, how can this place be sold out when half of the place is, is feels somewhat what not empty? I mean, nothing felt empty. It was people were all over the place. But the I'm sure whatever the fire marshal say is supposed to be like per square foot. It's not like it was evenly spread out. I think that's the issue. And maybe one of the things is they just have to mix it up more. Maybe you know because there's also a lot of toy. There's a lot of people who are selling toys and some collectibles that are right next to the media pavilion. And I used to think those were like the the bad seats. It used to seem like that was not a great place. Like, here's New Line's giant Lord of the Rings thing, and you're trying to sell your little puppets and stuff right behind it. But now I was going, those are the people who are selling stuff. These mm-hmm. little booths that you know would have like just a few little toys or a few little collectibles or just T-shirts. And the people who wound up on the perimeter there probably were doing, and I think I saw them doing, much better sales business than the guys who are actually selling the Golden Age back issues and the other back issues and the art prints and things that are at the other end of, of, of the thing because no one, the only people who were going to find them, as you said, were people who were looking for them. You know, mm-hmm. it, no one was going to 
happen upon some cool back issues on their way to you know going from Paramount to Warner Brothers because right because all that stuff was just right on top of each other with the exception of a few things. And I, so I guess now if you're looking if you're going to be looking for. Uh, the back issues, the special deals, that kind of thing. There's still you've got your smaller regional cons, and, I've, and I, maybe that's going to change things. People are going to start doing that more locally. I mean, San Jose we have SuperCon. Los Angeles has a monthly one. There's yeah, Los Angeles has uh, Lonnie Mills edition is actually monthly. I mean, that is just a dealer's room, and that's you know uh, you know continues to evolve in certain ways. Los Angeles has been a tough place to have conventions. I mean, it's just you know, I mean, as Wizard. Found out, you know. Yeah, well, there's a Long Beach one coming. The Long Beach convention coming up, and there's good people behind that show. So I'm very, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm excited to check it out. You know, I'm not uh, I'm not sure we're in a position where we can, um, you know, where it makes sense for us to exhibit um, because we've got, you know, with the two stores, you know, you know, going to a convention for uh, another week is like having a third store for a week, and Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of, um, you know takes a lot of staff and and things that we may not have immediately. Uh, but it, you know, but I, I look forward to the you know I, I love comic book shows. You know, Baltimore is a great show. You know, the the, the um, that uh, uh, Mark Nathan does his show in Baltimore, and it's you know in terms of just fans meeting pros, it's really just one of the most fun, casual kind of shows. You know, and I still have to go to like WonderCon and things like that. But this is oh yeah, we haven't come to WonderCon yet. Have yeah, you? well, we have to drag you up there. Absolutely. The other the, and the other aspect about San Diego that continues to be crazy is, is the parties. You know, is the and I you know even when I was working more in in Hollywood, I always hated that. You know, you got to track down the party, you got to get an invite. You know, it's like I if I was invited, great. If not, I you know and I but I hate like chasing stuff down. And I know there's so many people who you know make the lists and call and try and get the 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 the, the tickets. And one of the things we were invited to a party for a management company called. Circle of Confusion, because the... Um, this already sounds like it might not end well. Uh, oh, well, no, no, no. We, <laughs> no it, 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 we, we, Circle of Confusion. We were, we were to- yeah, well, no, they're, they're really great. They, they handle a lot of comic book creators. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, and um, they're, they're, they're really cool guys. And I know a couple of the, the... A couple of their clients just wrote a book called... We Kill Monsters from Red 5, uh-huh. Laura Harkham and Chris Leone, um, who are really smart people, and they, uh, uh, this is my plug, they created, produced, wrote for Science Fiction Channel the miniseries The Lost Room with Peter Krause, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, if you've never seen it, it's like six or eight hours of just uh, excellent, excellent science fiction programming, especially if you're into, like, Doctor Who, Torchwood. Mm-hmm. And it's for sci-fi. It was for sci-fi a couple of years ago, and, and I was a big fan of that, and then some mutual friends put us in touch, and, um, uh, you know, and they're, just, they're just great folk. We're actually doing a, 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 a little reception party this week for their, for their book, We Kill Monsters. But the... Um, you know, they've they been nicely invited us to this party, but with the caveat, you know, make, come early because it's overbooked and it's going to be crowded, blah, blah, blah. But we had a, a thing, a family thing to do, my wife and I, before that, and she probably showed up at the party. It was The party was supposed to go to 11 o'clock, and it literally was one of those that because of the logistics of the hotel, they had to shut it down at 11 for noise or whatever. And, you know, so we got there late. We got there about 20 of, quarter to 11, and they were like, not letting people up there, the party's, it's locked, it's, it's, you know, it's overcrowded, no one can go up, fine, walk away. But then we're just talking, you know, figuring, okay, what do we do next? And, of course, 
and I'm not going to name names, but a, 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 because people wouldn't know the name or recognize the name, but, a, but a, like a Hollywood player, you know, uh, uh, you know, some Hollywood players who, you know, behind the scenes, you know, are, you know, quite uh, prominent, you know, show up and, you know, are insisting to the young girl, it's probably some sort of San Diego temp, you know, who knows who she even, you know, works for, you know, you have to let me up, I'm on the list button, we can't let anybody up, we can't let anybody up, and it, it's just, you know... I never thought that would be happening at, at, at Comic-Con. You know, to me, that it's like after years of watching this in the movie business, to see, you know, this kind of like, you have to let me in, I'm on the list, and, you know, people trying to break down doors to get into comic book parties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a, it is just a total sort of like, you know, through the looking glass. Which I think Mark Vanier has said that that was famously a prediction that Jack Kirby had, and the shame he didn't get to see it oh, was wow. that everybody was going to come here. Right. And that Hollywood would be, would come knocking. And, wow! Yeah. So it has happened. Let's turn away from San Diego and talk comics. We're here yeah. to talk about new comics. Day. What are you going to tell us this year? Um, well, it's Wednesday. We're talking about comics, so you got to love Wednesday comics. <laughs> you do. Um, which is, has been really. I've just been really excited by it because I think one of the important things for me as both a retailer and a fan is a, people need to have a reason to come into a comic book store and, and, and buy comics. And part of that's the, the stories uh, and things like that. But but here, um, Wednesday Comics from, from D.C., it's this reading experience that you cannot get in any other format. And you can't get it online, you can't get it in another comic book, and you get to unfold this newspaper. And, and, and how are you trying to store your back issues of this? <laughs> That's <laughs> my only problem with I have, I have a whole store. Well, we're going to store. Yeah, you you have have your collection is right here. Yeah, uh, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I don't have back issues. I read them and, uh, and, and sell them back to the store. Or put them in our, our <laughs> package them in our used uh, thing. But but uh, but actually Wednesday comics I probably because because once you open it you kind of defiled it to some extent so you have it's you true know, so getting it back you know you, you can't exactly get it back in the the, the exact right order but Silver Age bags um, work nicely that's what mm-hmm. we've been using because we want to keep the present we're, the new issue we've got open but we are using Silver Age bags to kind of keep a neat display when we want to display a copy mm-hmm. because otherwise I mean. I love customers and comic book fans, but for some reason, even when you have something that's kind of open for samples, you always have the guy who's got to open another one. Like, but this is already open for a sample. Yeah, but I want to, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that freshly open smell or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we have got, yeah, we, we had a guy who, who used to go through every book just to find the perfect one to read. He didn't buy anything, but he would, have, he would flip through every copy because he only wanted to read a mint one. Because, you know, a mint one is so much better story than the very fine copy we might have been sitting on the top that other people have thumbed through. Um, but, it, uh, but so, yeah, so Wednesday Comics, you know, which I'm probably, because of the, the con, uh, you know, week week behind on, but, you know, I keep saying, Commandy done and redone as, as Prince Valiant mm-hmm. format by Ryan Sook. I mean, that, that, that's... Well, Adam Strange redone as John Carter of Mars. Yeah. It's an amazing... The, the Paul Pope thing. It works perfectly. And, and I'm, I'm a huge Flash fan. I'm wearing my Flash watch today. That's a very nifty watch, and, by the way. And, uh, I've and noticed that at lunch and thought, wow, that's a <laughs> And the, 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 the Flash two-piece where... One you know as a romance one's a romance comic and one's like a science fiction comic. Yeah. It's just a great way to to, to 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 do it. The Adventures of Iris West and all that. It's a, yeah, it's a um, so, so yeah. You know, last week we had two exciting um, 
you know, milestone events with um, Amazing Spider-Man 600 uh, and, and Hulk 600. Amazing Spider-Man 600, in addition to the main, you know, story, which follows the storyline. I mean, this is what I love about... I don't know how he does it time after time, but Mark Wade will find some angle on Spider-Man or some other character that I never thought of, and he does this in that book, this Uncle Ben short story that will have you weeping. And it is such a br- brilliant take. Now you're looking outside like... No, oh, I, I know there's an amazing Spider-Man 600 <laughs> right next to me on the shelf. So as soon as I stop recording, I'm going to weep. I'm going to weep. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an amazing... Because Mark, an amazing Mark, Uncle Ben's story. Mark Wade is one of the very few writers that has made me managed to make me cry uh, more than once, I think, by his writing. He's a very powerful... Yeah, there's, 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 a, there's a deepness, I think... A certain skill set certain writers have to understand that every time you you pick up a comic, especially with these decades-old characters, that the reader does bring some baggage. And I think most effectively, how do you use that almost as a, as a, as a storytelling tool? You know, because obviously we all you know we all think we know we've read Uncle you know we know what Uncle Ben is and who what he means in terms of the thing. So we have this paradigm of Uncle Ben, and then he can slip this. You know, additional inter- inter- interpretation um, that that you know, because it's not a guy we know a lot about. You know, we know a little about him. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and Hulk six hundred was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I you know, it's it, to me, it's a bit of a throwback to what you know, Jeff Loeb and McGinnis were doing with like Superman, Batman, which is just a kind of like kitchen sink approach of. And now here comes Hawkman, you know? Mm-hmm. And and this has just got like, oh, we've got Doc Samson, we've got Spider-Man, we've got all this stuff going on. But they did they did trick me because I, I, I was I could not wait to read Hulk six hundred because I remembered the solicitation. Because I you know, I live by the solicitations. And it said, This issue, who is the Red Hulk? Secrets revealed, blah blah blah. And I was convinced that this issue was gonna tell us who the Red Hulk was. And I lied. No, they're just incredibly artful in their solicitations. Because when I went back, it's like, oh, it did not say this issue reveals who the Red Hulk is. It was just a very artful series of sentences strung together that created that suggestion in my mind. But I quizzed other people, and they said, oh yeah, I read the same thing. Red Hulk's identity is revealed in this issue, and it was, and and it and it and it wasn't. It was simply, uh, it was who is Red Hulk? Secrets revealed. Uh, mysteries resolved, and there are secrets revealed and mysteries resolved. The who is the Red Hulk just isn't one of them. <laughs> so, uh, so I mean, I, you know, it, it, well, you know, the, I think. Look, I mean, you know, Jeff Loeb has written some great mysteries. Long Halloween's one of my favorite stories of all time, and I think, and even though I was on the internet at the time on the DC Comics forum, and we were trying to, you know, solve the mystery of of, of Long Halloween at the time. Um, you know, where the internet has really caught up for people in terms of spoilers is how do you do a mystery nowadays? Because if you put in real clues, the thousands of people working together on the internet will will break any mystery you try and do. And if you try and make it more of a cheat where you don't put in clues, then you know and nobody's happy about and that. Then nobody's happy because they couldn't figure out the mystery. So I think it's a really, really tough balance. I think. Well, and that's been a problem since uh, Armageddon 2001 with the the leak of who Monarch was supposed right. to be, and DC's done a lot of dancing since trying to re rewrite that wrong. I guess of. Yeah, and I and I think and that's a case where you know I mean 
arguably you could say they should have just done whatever they were planning on doing anyway because it would have really uh, you know affected sales I always wonder about things like you know Hush you know I always go was there a version of Hush where if Hush was Jason Todd you know we just would have gotten to that point of Jason Todd returning that much sooner you know because mm-hmm. eventually it did happen a year or two later so when there was that reveal of Spoilers! Oops, sorry. You know, uh, but you've all read Hush. Uh, Come on, uh, Tommy. Uh, uh, well, I didn't say who it was. No, but I'm saying. Oh, I can say heretofore, up to that point, never seen before character. Yeah. Of Tommy, whatever his name is. Um, yeah. Tommy Elliot. Tom. Tom, oh, yeah. Tom L. I was Elliot L. And super. I mean, it was always kind of weird. Hmm. But uh, maybe you know he's a cousin. Um, <laughs> you know, but but. but it was, but Hush was just a great story again because of that kitchen sink approach. He touched on every character and had everything going on. It really, who is Hush was, I th- and I think it was a little more, you know, meta going into it. Um, you know, and I feel he's sort of doing the same kind of vamping in a good way with Red Hulk in the sense of this is the story. I don't want people to lose in, you know, it, you know, you really have to then know what you're going to do next mm-hmm. once you say that, you know, X, Y, or Z is, 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 yeah. is, is the Red Hulk. And then go, you know, on, uh, because then you have to make that, the next story work. I'm just confused by the, 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 and there are major things that happen in Hulk 600. That is the exciting thing. I'm just confused now by, there's like three Hulk, but like there's a, there's Hulk, this was Hulk 600, and it seemed to continue from, like, Hulk 13, but then next month is Hulk 14. But then there's also, like, Incredible Hulk 601, but then there's also, like, Incredible Herc still. So well, I don't, if you can't keep it straight, what hope do I don't the rest know what, of us have? Yeah, I don't know what the, what the storylines are going to be. Um, but the other stuff from, like, this week and, 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 and last week, that's... Um, that's exciting. Ultimatum. Speaking of Jeff Loeb, Ultimatum and yeah, I picked up a copy here. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's pretty wild and intense, and you know, you get to the end and you sort of go, yeah, what does what happens in the Ultimate Universe next? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess they're doing the relaunch with Spider-Man, who's you know missing in action, and then and the Pacheco. You know, I mean, I'm very excited about you know Carlos Pacheco and Mark Miller doing Ultimate Avengers, mm-hmm. um, and that's they do seem to be the least scathed by the, the you know, <laughs> the Avengers seem the least scathed by Ultimatum, and I maybe that was, you know, by design. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I don't know how you deal with, like, Ultimate, you know, after this, you sort of go, you know, without spoilers, but where does, what ha- you know, how do you do an Ultimate X-Men book uh, from this point on? Maybe they're not going to. I don't well, know. I thought that Ultimate X-Men had, had dropped a lot in sales, too. I mean, that may, may be my misconception, but... I think all the ultimate. I mean, they, they had all kind of leveled off. I mean, we didn't. I mean, certainly, in terms of seeing growth in 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 our business. I mean, Ultimate Spider-Man used to take these like leaps each time a new story started. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know Ultimate Spider-Man had a certain consistency because of you know Bendis and Bagley. Um, ultimate X-Men at a certain point was. Even though I'm sure there was an editorial guidance, it's just like, hey, here's six issues by Robert Kirkman. Hey, here's, you know, Aaron Collette. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it, it lost, this, you know, it, it never had the kind of same cohesion. And Ultimate Fantastic Four, unfortunately, just never really caught on, even though, I mean, at the beginning, it was one of my, my favorites of the Ultimate books. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe Ultimatum is going to, um, you know, you know, they're, they're relaunching, it'll be a new boost. We'll new see. Ultimate Spider-Man, we'll, we'll see. see. You got uh, oh I didn't realize that was today. That was new, the new Justice Society. It's waiting for me to lose some comics and games, or it better be. I'm going to have to hit Steve. Uh, yeah, don't hit Anna. I know, I know, because she'll 
Shillage. Shillage your bag. Shillage. Does she listen to this? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, but this is the, the first Willingham, uh, Bill Willingham, Matt Sturgis. Yes. So yes. the new era begins for the Justice Society. And I think it's really interesting because you think about, I mean, how this is a, this, between this book and the previous 89 issues or whatever that they did, mm-hmm. I mean, it's really been very few voices. Guy, you know, it's been, mm-hmm. you know, James Robinson, David Goyer, and Jeff Johns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Pete Champagne had three issues. Yeah, there, yeah. Jeff, or, uh, Jeff. Oh, Jerry, and Paul Levitz. Paul Levitz and Jerry Ordway had yeah. the last two issues, and, you know, so they've. There really has been a certain brain trust right. for those main And even Keith and Jerry came out of having worked. You know, Keith was the inker on, on the book, and, mm-hmm. and, and Jerry obviously you know, has a deep love for those characters. And that is really is a new thing. So I'm, you know, it's exciting because, it, you know, uh, new members, new threats is what it says. And I wanted to, you know, know what that was about. Um, uh, Justice League has... Lenween. Well, yeah. Royal Flood. And this story, I think, was bumped because of some scheduling things. Or, uh, or, or uh, a while back, and so here it is. It's it's Justice League versus the Royal uh, Flush Gang. And it's got a silhouette that looks like. I mean, obviously we know it's not the Return of Batman, and it's a silly thing for them to kind of tease on the cover because we know it's not the Return of Batman. Um, but it's a. Although I, I gotta say, I noticed in your store in your back issues you have showcase with Anthro. So the first appearance of Anthro, and it's just like you said, Final Crisis, Diane. <laughs> no, yeah, it's like is 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 there an appearance by Batman in here? Or what? So cool if you could like re go back into uh, into Anthro and, and he walks by and there's a little you know bat you know maybe there is. There might be an ad. I bet Batman is in that book in, like, a house ad. Well, you've got some kind of thing making it sound like it, oh, okay. so I, you're just as bad as Marvel. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> no. Anthro was probably a good book. I don't, I don't know. I've never actually read an Anthro story. Um, and, um, and, and and Jersey Gods, the trade of that came out today, written by Glenn Brunswick and drawn by... McDa- oh, yeah, McDade. What's... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm uh, David or Dan McDade. Dan McDade. Okay. Um, and it, it's, it's, I'm not familiar with that book. Oh, it's so. an image book. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a really fun book because it's sort of the, it's, it's Kirby-style New God-type characters um, interacting with, you know, with, 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 with humans. But it's sort of a love story taking place. You know, instead of, you know, if it wasn't, you know, Mr. Miracle, if Mr. Miracle didn't have Big Barda, like during one of these big cosmic encounters mm-hmm. between the forces of good and evil in New Jersey... Um, you know, he meets the the woman of his dreams, and she's a human. So they have to be they're 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 a couple, and they're uh, you know uh, you know getting married and all that. Except you know, and living in suburban New Jersey, but he's also you know one of the you know like I say one of the, essentially the guardians of good in the cosmic uh, mm-hmm. balance of, of power. So it, 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 it's it's fun, you know. The art has a you know, kind of retro Kirby style yeah. to it, uh, and there have been some covers along the way by really cool guest artists. They're all in the trade paperback, like um, Darwin Cook and. Um, uh, so this uh, would be a high, this would be a high recommendation. Oh yeah, I, I've seen the title. I've not never picked this up. It, so. It's a good book, and I think it is one of those that you know, like you know, uh, is, it's a good chunk of reading in a trade. I mean, I'm I'm all about. Obviously, we're here every week with you know periodicals, but you know, it, it's when to me sometimes trying something new. You can get a more satisfying chunk of 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 of, of, of reading, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, you know there, I still find there's something kind of. The more I think about it, I find something so odd in that stack of twenty comics, and just you're reading twenty individual chapters. 
Um, I find it hard to read stacks of comics. I mean, I kind of like break them up. I hide them in different parts well, of the Well, I'm going to say, and I think I probably said this on my podcast before, I, I recently got the hardback of Final Crisis. Yeah. And it and it read so much better. Oh, absolutely! Sitting down in, in two chunks. I mean, I you know I read some and then had to get interrupted, but it was so much better to do to do that. The other thing you had there on that stack was Legion of Three oh, Worlds. Oh, Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds, which was from last week, and that is a mind blowing comic book. So I've got to get that. Is what you're telling me? I've yeah. Well, I mean, the, you know, the hard, there'll be a, it's probably already in the catalog. I don't know the the the, the hardcover, but it, I mean, but and that's what I do want. Like Final Crisis, I want to go back and read that as a whole because also there's been such large gaps of time between some of the issues, and it's so it's such a dense. I think when I when issue three or four came out, I went back and like had to reread it. And, and the impact of that book, though, has already been the repercussions have been in the DC universe for in months. In terms of carrot, well, you got super. You know, again, spoiler alert. But I guess, I don't know, do you have a general, like, if you're listening to this, there's going to be spoilers? You know what? Basically, I'd say in Blackest Night Number 1, which came out two weeks ago, they show Connor Kent. So if you weren't aware before, they made a big deal about it. was standing at Jonathan Kent. And they're advertising Adventure Comics. Yes, so we know that Superboy is back. Yes. If you read Flash Rebirth, and that was months ago, you know know that Kid Flash is back. But we also, and this was, I got a phone call from Lon. The day he was at the store ahead of me, and he's like, um, "So you're the Zorlac? How did how did Bart come back to life?" And I said, <laughs> "They haven't told us yet." <laughs> so, and and it's one of those things where again, I'm in this issue, he's you know, and I don't even know if it's entirely stated in the con- so much happens in these five issues of Legion of Three Worlds mm-hmm. and you know it is one of those um, well, so many characters yeah so many characters it's like one of those I mean so many variations of the Legion and again trying to keep some of them straight I don't know if you've ever read um, any of Douglas Wokes uh, stuff um where he does, he does annotate. He does a column, I think, on Savage Critic, uh, okay. where where he does um, annotations. He loves Grant Morrison, so he does a lot of annotations of Batman R.I.P. No, I've read his final yeah, stuff. Some of his work, yeah. And uh, and I'm and on, and he recently gave a great review to to to, to, to this issue. And what I love about uh, and it is one of those kinds of things. You need a, a scorecard to keep all the players straight because even. I used to be a big Legion fan, but I'm I lose track. Like you know, you see this duo damsel or triplicate girl, whichever you know, in this certain costume. It's like I'm supposed to know which Earth she's from or which world or which team, which you know, or okay, does she know who that is or do they not? You know, or which Boy, you know, which are the triplicate girl duo damsel triad? Yeah, that basically. Called triad, yeah, you know. I mean, and, I'm a, and I think the three. Who are the three? The three Legions is sort of the. One that is the grown up, the one that was in in Jeff's and Gary Frank's Superman Legion story, in action. which is actually the classic Legion, the Mike Grell, David. Right. Hawkins. Well, that's sort of the Silver Age Legion grown up, mm-hmm. but as adults that they that they've reached maturity. They're like they're not teenagers anymore. Right. But they were still as the status quo was left by the, that's the Legion that experienced the Great Darkness Saga. Yes, exactly. Pre Crisis, basically, what they are. They're the Pre Crisis. The Pre Crisis League, which we're getting back to now. With them, we'll see them in Secret Art. And it's the other ones who knew Superman, right? Then, then there are the, the Legion that didn't know Superman, or they were the pocket universe. That Superboy they had was the pocket universe Superboy, and that's they're the ones there in this book. Or they're just, they're one of the three Legion. They're one of the three. See, I, those are the ones I'm trying to figure out how to tell because they were changed as well. They had 
and this might even be that's one where they even have the younger clone versions of themselves. Right, right. That's, the Legionnaires. That's, the Legionnaires. And so that's so they're probably those so post zero hour. I think that's post zero hour. Post more post zero hour. And then hour. there's the Mark Wade Barry Kitson reboot. Okay, those are the those are those, the three. Those are the three. But there are distinct and the, the Barry. Just Kitson. remember, you can call the Zorlak. <laughs> Call any <laughs> would that be one eight hundred? Is there like one? Is there like the least? There's only six letters. <laughs> um, but but that's how good I am. If you just sell the six letters, it still connects. But you know, it, it's one of those things. And when you go back, to, if you know DC Comics presents eighty seven or whatever it was, you know, the I bet if you went back and that story of Superman meets Superboy. Must have probably only been done at that time for a legal requirement, probably because they hadn't put Superboy on a cover, you know, the trademark in a while, and or someone came up with the hey, let's do, you know, or Marv Wolfman or somebody sitting around and a thing said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if there was this, you know, and they they told this story about you know Superboy from Earth Prime, uh, and it yeah. was a throwaway story, and mm-hmm. you know, and it became part of Crisis on Infinite Earth, you know, yeah, Crisis on Infinite Earth. And then, you know, Marv ended it. I don't think Marv Wolfman ever, you know, I think Marv Wolfman always said he didn't want to kill, the reason those characters survived at the end is because he, you know, you didn't want to kill Earth 2 Superman. You didn't want to kill the original right. Superman and Lois Lane. Let, right. Let's send them into some sort of, you know, heaven. Which uh, I always thought was a great ending. It is a great ending. I mean, and it's true. You didn't, you know, you, yeah, at that time you didn't want to feel that the, the, that the, all those old stories were being, you know, you know, mm-hmm. destroyed or erased or whatever. So the idea that that character, you know, the idea, you know, the idea of the good Luther surviving, and then the idea of the Superboy. I mean, and again, was there a legal requirement there? Someone said, "Hey, let's have make sure we have a Superboy that we can pull out if we ever need a Superboy for some reason." I don't know. It was, it's one of those things. It was a strange group of characters, and then Jeff when he does Infinite Crisis. I mean, how powerful was that end of that first issue when, when you know those characters who've been watching events turn to the camera to the audience and go, "You know, we're we're back," and and there's the original you know mm-hmm. Superman back, and he goes up, up and away, and he's going to go do some good. Mm-hmm. This. Well, at one time, was sort of this throwaway character, this alt Superboy, has become this amazing character, and and I am reluctant to 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 to, to, to you know say any any spoilers, but you know I think it's been described as oh Superboy being this kind of like you know outraged fan, you know, uh, you know that I'm you know this is the way things should be in the universe, blah blah yeah. blah. <laughs> That's a good description. So I stole it from someone, so I didn't say it first, but um. Pardon me, but that really comes to a head in this issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, where it really becomes—he does become the ultimate comic book fan by the end of the story. <laughs> okay, I now I'm looking. <laughs> I gotta go back. I gotta find these readers. Oh okay. man, it's a, 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 he took it in a way I never, a direction I never saw coming, but still telling a satisfying story. Good, good, but putting a little bit of. That medicine that we've seen. And that's, and that's Jeff Johns as well. So the question I have, you know, you're, you're his friend. When does the man sleep? Um, I don't know. He's, he's everywhere. And, uh, you know, I, I think... He feeds on the blood of young birds. And so, <laughs> yeah, that's I think Jeff, as a writer, what I've seen is just he's, he's really disciplined because he'll, he does the work. I think he works during work time. And then he goes and does, you know, other things. You know, he, 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 then he'll Twitter or he'll go on one of his slurpy hunts or go to a movie. If you have a, he's got a great Twitter account. You should, you should if you're not. I, I will have to look him up. Uh, um, cereal, this guy could live on cereal and slurpees from everything, you know, he 
if you read it. Well, he's clearly a younger man than we are. So Absolutely. This, uh, so let's go for a wider. One of the things we usually do each year, the question ask is, you know, the book of the year. The What's the story? Susan Avil, uh Susan D'Angelo's uh, comic book <laughs> story of the year. What what story did you get Susan to read? Oh, wow. What, um, gosh, what has... I'm trying to think where we where we left off. If there's anyone in between, I gotta plug her favorite comic book because it's kind of a mini comic. Wait, she just created she she no no not her no 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 her it's her she, no no but she actually is reading a comic that she thought out is her favorite. It's it's a it's a book that I someone gave me Wait, at a trade show, and I just and I said, what do you think of this? Because because it, because it, it struck me as more. More accessible to people than just you know comic book readers. It's a little mini comic called Sad Animals by Adam Muse, M E U S E. Okay. And um, and it's you know it's not a narrative comic. It's a mini comic with just these little drawings of sad animals, and it's very adult. It, it's one of those books you have to be careful for because if you put it in the wrong section, a kid's going to pick it up. But it's got some you know it's 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 got some uh, you know rated R for harsh language. You know? Okay. It's, so it's, it's sad a, animals. It's, it's hysterical. Um, so that's something she found and, and, and she buys and gives to uh, uh, gives to everybody. I'm trying to think though if there's wow. I mean, right there, but that, that's such a huge change from the usual. <laughs> you get recommendation. It was like this begrudging, and now she's buying copies and giving it to other people. That's uh, that's impressive. You know, she, uh, she. I mean, she's always been a, a in whatever whether it's music or TV and stuff. She's a tastemaker in a lot of ways. I mean, she's certainly in terms of media, uh, you know, an early adopter, and that, not in terms of technology, but in terms of, you know, someone who was there watching The Sopranos every week from, you know, from the pilot, you know, not mm-hmm. catching up later on DVD. She's always been uh, more aware of that stuff. I mean, even for me, like, she was kind of watching The Sopranos off in the corner before it finally got my attention, and I'm like, well, now we have to watch season one all over again. She's like, okay, I'll do that. Okay. I got her into Doctor Who, though, so that that was excellent. Uh, Which speaking of, I was gonna, I was then going to move to um, maybe just a maybe one movie rumor or, or which thing. Um, unless you know more, you can talk about uh, that. Uh, John Barrowman was asked at Torchwood what part he wanted. Uh, what his role was, and he threw himself in the running. And of course, it's a huge uh, long shot, perhaps, but for Captain America. Wow. Wow. And I just read that this morning, so I thought, well, Connor and I can discuss that, because I know you're a Doctor Who and Torchwood fan. And I, I, I love I love John Barrowman. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not gay, but, you know, John Barrowman could turn me. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's that kind of thing. I'm going to put it up as a reader poll. How many of you feel that you could be turned by John Barrowman? I mean, I'm sure that John Barrowman agrees with you. He could turn you. <laughs> if he wanted to. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, that, that being said, uh, John Barrowman, but you know what? That's hard because, I mean, again, love his performance on Torchwood dearly, but playing the American, I still feel his, and I know his whole history and and, and all of that, but, but, it, but it, there's still, he still winds up sounding like a Canadian to me a lot of the time. Um, Interesting. So, uh, I you know nothing against Canadians, but I, I, you know anybody's and he's not. Since so many Canadians have masqueraded as Americans well, he, already, he looks. I mean, he does have kind of the classic good looks of of a, of a comic book hero, and there are people he could probably 
play. I mean, like, you know, I think, I think the catch with all these characters now is that they're going for kind of a younger look. And not, I mean, not, you know, God forbid we say he's, he, 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 he's old, but he's not, he doesn't seem, you know, he doesn't, you know, if you were doing, hey, the, the, this is Avengers, you know, and, and, they've, and they've been around, I mean, actually I think he looks more like a Hal Jordan in a, in a, in a, in a, in a certain way with the, the hair and everything, and I you think of Captain America as, as, a, as, as, a, as a blonde guy, and I don't know if that would... Uh, right, he'd work as a blonde, yeah. And he's got, I mean, he's got the square jaw jawed features. I mean, we all thought he looked like, you know, Tom Cruise or whatever, and certainly Tom Cruise would be a perfect casting for any of these kinds of, you know, these kinds of characters. But I think in the comics, we sometimes read them as, well, I remember when I was a kid, they always used to say Superman was 29. Like, somehow that was, like, the perfect, you know, mm-hmm. age. And But I think as the comics went on, you know, and... You know, the joke being that Bruce uh, Bruce Wayne didn't age, but Dick Grayson did. So someday Dick Grayson was going to be older than than than, than Bruce Wayne. Uh, but I still, but I, th- I think they kind of reached a point where it felt like those guys were um, approaching forty. You know, I mean, I think in that you know you, you know they started saying, oh, Batman. Well, I think they've said, I say yeah. I think Superman and Batman are in their thirties or late thirties. Right, and I think that can work on a a you know Earth one. Um, kind of thing if we ever get to that point where we go well let's continue the history of those characters as if they've had a lot of history but the reboots always kind of seem to be dialing back back the clock mm-hmm. you know and I think for the movies you know putting Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man was, was a bit of a stretch but I think because the, the, the credit we give Iron Man is his, his brain you know that it, it's not about being a you know a muscle guy outside of the suit that that you know that worked and he was such great casting, but you know really does seem with Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan and, and things like that that we're really going for, um, yeah, uh, you know it, it's really you know junior. Um, well, and people that can age age along with the franchise without aging out. I think I think I think that's an issue. I think that is certainly one of the one of the concerns that people. Yeah. You know, people have with, uh, you know, so, I don't know. I feel like, I, I, I... sorry, John. <laughs> <laughs> He's just going to have to create his own uh, Barrow Man as a... Uh, can, can he be Captain Britain? <laughs> I don't know how his British accent is. I've never actually heard him do one. I, I don't think I have. Because... Uh, even when he hosts uh, the, he, any dream will do. I don't know if you watched that. Oh, I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah. Because no, the other thing here is you know, Carr is a closet musical comedy fan, uh, and uh, yeah, he hosts that, and he still has his American accent. He right. plays up being the American for the BBC audience, right. for the British audiences. So, an American only the Brits can learn. <laughs> At the end of that uh, rumor, why don't we uh, get to wrap it up? And uh, we've had a, had a very good time. We thank Carr for his annual sit down with us, uh, and then we're going to drag you up to WonderCon. And yes. uh, next time you're in San Jose, you know, sitting on a regular with the whole troop, and have to, you know, face the, the madness that is Lon and Rick and Excellent. some good and whoever else. So thank you, Carr. We'll be talking later. Okay, thanks, Derek.